Thanks for joining us at the Montrose Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at montrosechurch.org. Have a great day. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, it's so good to be able to be on this campus, to be able to connect with the full body of Christ at both campuses. And so uh, today as we start, I-, I want you to think about one thing. I want you to have something in your mind. I-, I want you to think about somebody that specifically modeled love to you tangibly, uh, that very specifically poured out grace and unconditional love, was there at the exact right time for you. Maybe... Uh, Maybe it's somebody that didn't do that your whole entire life. It might be difficult to kind of say, you might be thinking about a parent maybe, uh, but maybe you don't have anybody specifically, but maybe even just somebody who was there at the exact right time. That at that time when you need them, uh, they stepped up to the plate, they gave unconditional love, they were there for you. Because I want you to think in your mind, in our minds today, about love winning. That there is the opportunity for change and impact and that there's the possibility that If somebody just really models love to us or to somebody else, that change can occur. And so so think about that today. Uh, Also, the last couple weeks have been an amazing journey with Pastor Dave. We've talked, if you remember, uh, with Pastor Dave. We we started on Easter talking about being found and that we were found by grace. And if you remember correctly, that Peter was lost and found and lost and found, and I think he said it over and over again, lost and found, and that that's our testimony, and that God continues just to pour out grace and grace to us. And last week, he talked about the fact that we are found by patience. Not our patience for each other, definitely yes, but more than that, God's patience for us. And that Jesus walked along the disciples on the road to Emmaus, and remember, he didn't push himself on the disciples. He listened to them. He had conversation with them. And then he opened his hearts and the scriptures to them. He was going to walk on by, but decided uh, he had to be inv- invited into their home. And so there's found by patience. And so today we want to look at a little bit about really then that whole flow of scripture. And the flow of scripture talks uh, about the disciples being up in the upper room, if you remember this. And they're in there, and John says that they locked the doors behind them. So which ends up saying that they were pretty stressed in fear of the Romans, and they were full of anxiety. And the first thing that Jesus, when he appears to them, do you know what Jesus says to him? Peace. Which is kind of an interesting thing. Uh, peace. And so that's what we want to look at. So if you've got your scripture, if you've got your Bibles, uh, or look above, uh, we're going to look at Uh, Luke chapter 24, and talking about being found by peace today. Uh, So in Luke chapter 24, verse 36, it says, While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Uh, They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. And he said to them, Why are you troubled, and why do your doubts rise in your mind? Look at my hands and my feet. It's I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, which I think is interesting. They didn't believe him because they were so excited. They were just so confused, you know. Uh, He asked them, do you have anything here to eat? He gave them a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate in their presence. And he said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled as is written about me in the law of Moses and prophets and psalms. 
And then he opened their mind to the scriptures so they could understand the scriptures. I'll just go ahead and stop there. Uh, And so it's amazing to think about the fact that here's this amazing mystery. And I think it's a mystery because, you know, in a couple short verses or chapters, we're going to see Jesus heading off into the air. And it says he goes up into the air. But at the same time, it's saying here that he's very physically the bodily resurrection of Christ. And I don't know about you, but that confuses me. I don't have all the answers. Uh, anybody else not have all the answers? It's a little confusing to me. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Richard Rohr wrote a devotional, and I love this quote. He says, The seeds of Easter are already found in Christmas. If God can become flesh incarnating in the material world, then resurrection is a natural conclusion. Nothing divine can die. And that helps me as I think about Christmas, I think the incarnation of Christ, that, that there's mystery there, but there's also mystery in what does it mean to have the bodily resurrection. And so as we look at this story, it's amazing that Jesus himself talks about peace. Peace I bring with you. Peace I bring to you. Uh, but the question is, how does peace really come? How does peace really come into our lives? And so, okay, here's the confession stage. Uh, I am a, my mind is always racing. Uh, Maybe this is yours as well, but my mind is always racing. And for most of my Christian life, I came to Christ in high school all the way through being pastor for 30 years. Uh, I've always been, tried really hard to have quiet time in Bible study and prayer. I'm terrible at it. I'm just terrible at it. I, I try to find peace in silence. But most of the peace that I experience from God is through other ways. That I experience Christ more through relationship and connection with other human beings. Uh, That when I'm talking with somebody, there is Christ in the midst of them, the least of these other individuals. And so I still try to, in prayer and in driving and worship, you know, I'm listening to worship music, uh, but there's different ways that we experience God. There's different ways that we receive peace And so that's what we want to look at today. I'm going to give you three quick thoughts that are not just theological thoughts, but they're methodology. They are practical practitioner thoughts uh, of how we do ministry here at Montrose Church. And then we're going to talk about four different partners. And so I'm going to cruise really quick. And so don't think that I'm going to be done in 10 minutes, even though I'll be done with the three sermons or three points in 10 minutes. Uh, And so the first thing is, how do we model incarnation? And the first thing is that Jesus... When we saw Jesus up in the upper room, he connected and brought peace through deep personal connection. Deep personal connection. Uh, I was going to use the word intimacy uh, because we could use that here. Uh, But I want you to not be, again, tainted by the world's view of the human touch. Because the world has kind of taken it out of context and we'll say, well, you know. But look at Jesus. Is it when he invites the disciples, he he does not just say, Peace I give to you. But when they were full of anxiety and fear, he, he lifts out his wounded hands and his feet and he says, touch my hands. Touch me very tangibly. I, am bodily, I have a bodily resurrection. I want you to touch me and know me. Different studies have shown us all through the last couple decades, especially, about the amazing healing that comes and peace that comes through human touch. Whether it's babies uh, right out of the womb, that instantly that there's human touch. Uh, a, a pat on the back, 
from a friend or a spouse, a good, appropriate hug at the right time, you know? Uh, There's such an amazing way that when we become a little bit more intimate, connected, a deeper personal relationship with somebody, they can experience peace. And it's not through our strength, but sometimes in Jesus' case, through the wounds. Uh, Listen to Henry Nouwen's quote from The Wounded Healer. He says, every Christian is constantly invited to overcome his neighbor's fear by entering it into it with them and to find in the fellowship of suffering the way of freedom. For who can save a child from a burning house without taking the risk of being hurt by the flames? Who can listen to a story of loneliness and despair without taking the risk of experiencing similar pains in their own heart and even losing his precious, precious peace of mind? In short, who can take, any, who can take away any suffering without entering into it? What a powerful thought that Jesus himself, instead of staying afar off, he enters into it with us. Uh, compassion literally means, pate and kum means to suffer with. He enters into that relationship and shows the hands and the feet and he says, touch me and know that I'm real. We'll come back to that in a little bit. Uh, the second thing is, we end up seeing not only that Christ brought peace through touch and through deep connection, but also through fellowship at the table. Uh, Pastor Dave would love this. You know, it's about food, you know. It's, uh, and he, Pastor Dave, at Monday, Thursday, if you were here, did an amazing job talking about the table. That the table is not just something that is very tangible, which is, which is true, that we gather around a table, but it's also kind of a, a story of in scripture about being at the table whether it's in heaven or in old testament or new testament the whole idea of gathering around the table is a deeply profound thing and so jesus when he's <coughs> excuse me when he is uh, gathering in the upper room instead of just saying just touch my hands he says give me something to eat let's gather around the table where's your broiled fish you know where where is your food that we can fellowship uh, with together over and I think that's really deeply profound because uh, not only when we build relationships, but at the table, everybody should be included. Uh, now, now, we know there's some people that we don't want to invite to our table. We understand that, you know, especially, you know, Thanksgiving or different times. Or like We have boundaries and definitely understand that. But the table symbolizes inclusion, that everybody is around at the table. And, you know, even Jesus says, you know, if there's not enough at the table, then go out in the highways and byways and invite everybody in. And so it symbolizes inclusion, that everybody's involved. And so it's fellowship at the table. Uh, it's touching the hands and feet. And, and I don't know about you, but I don't like for people to touch my hands and feet uh, very much. How, how many of you spend a lot of money on massages? Anybody? Okay, yeah, you're not going to admit that, are you? You know, uh, I don't like those things. It's like, ugh, you know. But Jesus continually leans into the relationship. He leans into touching hands and feet. He in, leans into gathering at the table. And the third thing, it says that he opened minds through conversations. And uh, I think that's really interesting because a lot of times we have closed minds in our conversations. We have divisiveness. We have different circumstances where when we start talking about something, it doesn't open our mind, it closes it. But God is a God full of compassion. He's continually pouring out good ideas, good compassion. Uh, a, a quote that I looked up last night uh, by Rachel Held Evans. 
that if he had heard that she went to be with the Lord at a young 37-year-old age. Rachel Held Evans said, God's ways are higher than our ways, not because he's less compassionate than we are, but because he is more compassionate than we can ever imagine. What a beautiful thought. And so Christ himself lives out the peace of Christ. And the interesting thing then is that that's through the whole New Testament. We end up finding then 1 John, where in 1 John 1.1 it says, This is what we've heard from the beginning. What we've heard, what we've seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, that we proclaim concerning the word of life. For the life appeared, we've seen to testify, and we proclaim to you the eternal life which the Father has appeared to us. For we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you may also have fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And so John connects those things. that The connection of Jesus with his disciples ends up being that similar connection that we have with the world around us. And so I want you to think about those things. Not only is a theology, uh, a theological truth, but also a methodological, a method, a practicing aspect of how we do ministry. And so with that, I, I want us to kind of uh, move into very practical partners that we've talked about. Uh, I'm reminded of a quote by Pope Paul. He says, in 1972, he said, If you want peace, then work for justice. If you want peace, work for justice. And if you don't like the word justice, then you can change that to righteousness or love or compassion. If you want peace, we work for these things. We work for love. We work for compassion. We work for justice. It is because peace does not, in my opinion, come just from the Holy Spirit on high, but it comes through personal relationships. So Jesus says, I'm going to be deeply connected. I want to fellowship. I want to eat with you. And so let me talk to you about four quick partners. Uh, The first is Eswatini. Remember, Eswatini changed its name from Swaziland because the king decided to. That's all. That was the only reason that switched its name. And uh, there's other historical reasons we could discuss it, colonialism as well. But, uh, but Eswatini, since 2016, their Montrose Church has been committed to a partnership, of a 10-year partnership. Uh, we have supported churches like Nintignani and Infantini and Sibususwini and Lobovu construction projects, as well as HIV, medical clinics, and child development centers. We feed kids in Induma every day of the week. And, and so this was the Matt Jenny. Matt Jenny looked like this in December of 2017. Uh, isn't that amazing? They had church there. But they had a pastor that was passionate. They had God moving in different ways. And so your support in the past ended up helping uh, to build this congregation or this building. Again, they built the concrete blocks outside. We partnered then with local leaders to be able to put the roof on. So it's not just us giving to them, it's us giving to each other. So we work together in partnership. Last year, you end up seeing some individuals that are there. Uh, we were moving rocks because as they built the wall, they tore out that wooden frame in the middle. And the floor was all uneven. And so we had to take rocks from one section and fill in the other section. And so I just love this vision of having a human uh, chain here uh, of, in, of the kids themselves working with our Montrose leaders, dancing a little bit, having a little bit of fun. And you end up seeing we're filling in the back area that in a, in a couple pictures, in a little bit, you're going to see a flat uh, floor, finally. 
But it's amazing to think of your support going from an offering, going to our denominational headquarters where 100% then goes then into Matt Jenny to help to build the roof that's over their head. And so there's the flat, there's the, just this past April, just last month, uh, the flat floor and that they're worshiping in. And we'll begin to do children's development work on this week uh, or this trip uh, in June 2019 in just a few weeks from now. And so there's the, there's the church on a Sunday morning. And so your support, every year we budget about $25,000 that goes towards support. And this year we're supporting not only uh, Matt Jenny and some other things, but M. Cozzini. M. Cozzini is one of the churches that we've partnered with. Uh, Soweto, where we built the huge church with Pastor Tondo, they're helping to support it as well. And so this is M. Cozzini, December 2017. You see the wood frame out there. And so as they met there in December in 17, uh, we helped to support them this year. And so now they put a roof on their new concrete frame that they had built over the last couple of years. And so that's what it is uh, now. It was the most recent. You see the, the roof going on. And so someone from M. Cozzini has a thank you for you to Montrose Church. Listen to. Hello, Montrose Church. Those in the Church of the Nazarene is very, very grateful for your assistance in the construction of the structure. We hope, through God's grace, uh, it will be completed on the stated dates. And we hope Ngozini won't be the last church. You'll extend your assistance to other churches in Swaziland because we are not the only church that is in dire need. I think there are many churches in Swaziland which needs your assistance. And so the two churches that we've supported this year is Mkozini and Makwea, which is another in another part of the, of the country. Uh, but there's a lot of different ministries, as the gentleman said, <coughs> sorry, uh, that ends up needing still help more and more. And so all of your faith promise goes to help to support the existing projects, but we always cast a vision uh, for others. Uh, Netanya, uh, sorry, I'm missing the name, uh, Niatani. Niatani is this one now. And this is another church that is in the process of needing our support. And so if God would lay it upon your heart, uh, roofs cost about $7,500, and so we've committed the first $25,000, uh, but we want to put a roof on Niatani. Uh, they're in the process of building, I think it's the next picture. Uh, they've already got concrete blocks up and going, so there they go, but they need a roof on that. And again, a pastor that is working with us, we're not just doing it for them, and I think it's really important, good methodology of Jesus coming in. We are being, we're bringing Jesus to that community. Uh, so Niatani, as well as Kiza, is another church. Uh, is a second church that we, we've not been able to help yet, but they're on our list in the future. Uh, Kiza needs help with a parsonage. The pastor is driving, usually we wouldn't support a parsonage, but in this case, the pastor is driving three hours away and can't live in the local community. And so, uh, so we're helping them to be able to finish the parsonage so that they can live in the community in which they minister. Uh, again, dynamic pastors, great ministry that's there. Uh, and also a little side note is that Pastor Dave and Pat McKelvey are going a couple days early uh, to Botswana because Botswana is a country right next to Eswatini in South Africa. And the local leaders there really want us to expand beyond Eswatini. 
And so Pastor Dave is, and Pat are doing kind of a, a review of Botswana and doing a pastor's training one day. And so a lot of our faith promise will help to go support that pastor's training uh, in Botswana as well. And so kind of have that in the back of your mind because in years future we might be doing projects in Botswana as well as uh, Eswatini. And so the exciting thing is then uh, we are moving beyond uh, where we're at and expanding the kingdom of God into other countries. And so your faith promise helps to make that possible. The second partner that I want to look at real quick uh, is Inverted Arts. Inverted Arts is an organization that is in Minneapolis, Minnesota, but it's run by Mark Collier, who is, used to be a worship leader here at this congregation. And we collaborate in our STARS program, and every day after school, well, three days a week over at the Pasadena Brazil campus, we have an after school program with kids in that community in Pasadena. And so every summer, we run an arts program to be able to reach out to more and more kids in that community. And so we collaborate with Inverted Arts, and so watch Inverted Arts' video that'll describe their ministry. Inverted Arts is turning the world upside down by asking disadvantaged youth, what's right with you? Inverted Arts answers they are created to create, made in the image of the ultimate artist and filled with creative potential. Our mission is to invite these young artists to discover and unleash their creative voices in everything from fashion to filmmaking, songwriting to storytelling, and drawing to design. When their ideas and imaginations are nurtured, it's good for the whole community. We develop partnerships with organizations in underserved communities, offering art camps and art exploration programs led by professional artist mentors. These programs end with showcase events where students present their masterpieces to their communities. We collaborate with partners and youth to create documentary films, recording projects, and visual art exhibits. We offer internships, scholarships, and product development support to young artists who want to continue a sustainable artistic career. And when our scholarship students graduate, we invest in their small business ventures that employ and train young people and provide sustainable community development. Creativity is the platform where disadvantaged youth are encouraged to dream and discover the unique gifts they have to offer. They are giving birth to beauty, hope, and innovation. Join us by empowering what's right in the world. And so Inverted Arts does internationally amazing things, but also domestically. And so their partnership with us allows our summer arts program to occur. And again, it's just for those kids in the community. But if you want to volunteer in that, please let us know. It's a great experience. It's all day. It's a day uh, camp art experience. And so because of that, we need a lot of different volunteers. So if you're interested, please let us know. Uh, the third partner that I want to highlight, and this is all because of your support, is Central City. And you've heard me talk about Central City. It's a ministry that I planted 30, 31 years ago. And as a matter of fact, you'll see an old picture of myself. I just thought a good mullet picture is always good for a laugh. There you go. There you go. And uh, that's not me in the middle of the guitar, just so you know. <laughs> I know you're thinking that. Uh, but Central City is a ministry that if you think about homelessness in our region and how difficult the situation are, is, uh, in Skid Row, Los Angeles, it's even gotten worse upon worse. And really knowing that there is a worshiping congregation in the heart of Skid Row, that 95% of the congregation are either on the street or in rehab programs, uh, it is really 
implement, or really instrumental for us to think about living out the peace of Christ in the world in which we live. Uh, we collaborate with different agencies that are around it, but it's a worshiping congregation that, that meets there. Uh, but we're in our central city is in its own need of renovation. After 31 years, the facility has gotten old. We need some work teams that we need to schedule to go in there and to renovate it. Uh, we need a renovation, really, of our donors, uh, of individuals. We need to expand the body of Christ and to be able to help to provide for it because we still rent the facility. And so it's always that balance. Do we want to invest work projects in something that we rent? Uh, but it's really important we think about, uh, so we support, Montre Montrose Church supports Central City. And so if God would lay anything on your heart, uh, not only volunteering at our karaoke outreach that we do about two or three times a year down there on Wednesday nights, but if there's other things that God would lay upon your heart, uh, Central City is another great organization that needs uh, the peace of Christ to come through our relationships. And so uh, Central City is another of our partners. Uh, before I get to the last one, let me just remind you of a couple key things. Is that with Faith Promise, uh, remember in September with Together Sunday, we end up raising approximately two to three hundred thousand. We want to raise, we take pledges for about three hundred thousand dollars to be able to raise over the course of the year to be able to help our eighteen different partners, whether it's Special Olympics and there's a lot of other partners beyond the four that I'm highlighting today. Uh, but giving towards Faith Promise is just a very easy thing to do. Uh, it's as easy as text to give. And I think that there's a number that's there. If you don't text to give, it's so easy. I almost wanted to like tell you just to pull out your phones right now, okay? And, uh, but it's 818-330-1180. Once, the very first time you do that, if you just text that right now, it'll instantly pop something back to you to say, if you haven't done this before, uh, you have to fill in your, your card or your bank number or something like that. And then you can literally write five and then FPG, Faith Promise Giving, and that instantly goes to your faith promise. Now remember, faith promise is above and beyond tithes and offerings to be able to help all of our community partnerships to be able to experience the peace of Christ through human relationship, through fellowship, and through open uh, conversations. And so we have a lot of different partnerships. But again, I encourage you, as you have been giving amazingly well over this first six months, don't give up now as a lot of these partners depend upon you. So remember, text to give. It's an easy way to give. And let me give you this, this last partnership. Uh, our last partner that I want to talk about today is Young Life. It, it, you've probably heard about Young Life, but I just want to remind you. I don't want us to put it on the back burner because Young Life is doing amazing things these, these days. We still support Capernaum Ministries, which some of you as donors do. But Capernaum Ministries is a uh, Young Life organization, part of Young Life that works with those with intellectual disabilities. And so even in your program, there's a prom coming up in a couple weeks if you want to volunteer for that. Uh, but Capernaum is an amazing ministry with Amy Nielsen uh, that we support. We also, over on the Pasadena campus, once a month we have a group called Young Lives. And Young Lives is a Young Life program for teenage mothers that usually are in alternative education programs. And they're giving, again, the love of Christ and relationship and mentoring through a lot of individuals that need it. And so Young Lives is one. But let me talk to you a little bit about the Young Life Pasadena program that we support as well. And uh, my son, Josh Chamberlain, ends up running the Young Life Pasadena private school component. And then there's also individuals, Mark Fields and others in Jamarco, Washington, that run the John Muir Pasadena Club. Well, at their recent fundraiser, they shared this amazing story of a girl that was from the private school and kids that were from John Muir, uh, the public school, and how they had built friendships. Uh, the girl from the private school was Caucasian, 
and the girl from John Muir was African American. And now they had built deep friendships because they went to camp together and they lived uh, that week in camp and they had a great experience. So much to the point that our Pasadena campus ends up hosting the Young Life Club every two weeks. And they've decided to merge so it's not just a segregated different group. That there's a merger of the John Muir and the private schools together. So it's black, white, all different high income, low income, everybody together to be able to ha experience uh, young life as a club in Pasadena. I, the video that they showed a couple weeks ago, I want to show you today, that reminds you not only the history of young life, uh, because it's telling the testimony of Bill Starr, who was the second president of young life, and the difficulty through civil rights and how that impacted the organization. But listen how it can impact how it's relevant to us today in reaching out and bestowing peace into our communities. So watch this about your life. Jim had been such a powerful founder and man. And he was the closest thing I knew to a man of God. And then here comes scrawny little Bill to follow in his steps. I gave it a shot with the Lord at my side, and we went through it together, day after day. But it was not easy. I felt so strongly about the urban community, but we couldn't get it supported. We had people from various parts of the country saying my kid couldn't couldn't go to camp if they were in the same swimming pool with certain people. I received letters from board members, committee people, staff people saying that we need to have a separate organization for those groups. Well, that just violated the gospel to me. I really was searching my own heart and mind in the scripture about what are we? Who are we? And I felt so strongly. There was one gospel, and he died for all. So if we couldn't go under that banner, then it wasn't young life. I just had to say, sorry, but that's the way it is. When you get letters that say, I'm not giving to young life anymore. And when your staff start doing that, it was tough. We had to really work hard, pray hard, trust God more than we ever did. The only thing we're supposed to do is proclaim this magnificent story, but there's no point in talking about it unless we're living it. All kids deserve to hear the story of our dear Lord. It was not easy, but it was, it was right. All kids deserve to hear this ma massive love of God. What a beautiful thought. It's not easy, but it's right. So whether it's those with intellectual disabilities, whether it's those of other races and cultures and different income levels, that we're reminded, not only with Young Life, but also with Central City and Eswatini and all these different things, that there's amazing things going on around us. 
Listen to this Henry Nouwen quote again. From his book, Gracias, it says, When I have no eyes for the small signs of God's presence, the smile of a baby, the carefree play of children, the words of encouragement and gestures of love offered by friends, I will always remain tempted to despair. So today, I want to remind you, I want to do two things. I want to encourage you that the signs of God's kingdom are out there because of your support, because of your help, uh, that we are manifesting the values of God's kingdom, the hands and feet of Christ, the fellowship at the table, the open minds of conversation, but also that we would challenge each other, that we would never sink back for doing that all God wants us to do and to be. Sometimes it's not easy, but it's right. Would you pray with me? Lord God, you are a God that continues to push us above and beyond anything that we can ask or imagine. For Lord, you had somebody in our life that reached out to us with very tangible love. That at the exact right time, you poured out grace to us through that person. Obviously through your Holy Spirit theologically, but Lord, more than anything, through that individual that tangibly reflected love in their actions. And so, Lord, I just thank you for the signs of your kingdom that are evidenced through our collaboration with partnerships, lives that have been changed, Eswatini and roofs being built, and clubs in the Pasadena campus with Young Life. Lord, we just rejoice at your goodness. But at the same time, we challenge ourselves to say, Lord, we present ourselves into your hands one more time. Will you speak to us? May you encourage us? May you fill us with your Holy Spirit? Because, Lord, there's a world that desires to not only hear about your good news, but to see your good news through our lives. And so, Lord, bless us this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us at the Montrose Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.montrosechurch.org. Have a great day.